this hour by Frederick Remington fully cooked ready to eat bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. You know, just before we get started with Peter Cohen, let me tell you, on the Tech Night How Live this week, Peter is, of course, a very, very outspoken blogger and podcaster. And a little bit later, we'll be hearing from Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer, who's also outspoken, and we'll get some cultural dynamics there. But right now, before we started with Peter here on the Tech Night Out Live, I was telling him about that accident I had last week in which my car was totaled. And the reason I'm still here talking with you without serious injuries is because technology worked. Yeah, technology worked. So I did not have a car with Takata airbags, and thus (laughs) the airbags went off. Not all Takata airbags are bad, but yes, yeah, point well taken. Takata, of course, is the the company behind the uh, uh, the the epic uh, recall that's affecting so many car ma- makers these days. So that, of course, was part of it, and the other thing, of course, was to wear a seatbelt. And just to put that in perspective, the very first car I ever bought, which was a 1967 Opel Cadet. Of course, Opel used to be the German division of General Motors until very recently. It had seatbelts in the front. And I realized at that point that based on what I had read, that everybody has to wear seatbelts, even though a lot of cars didn't then. So I had the seatbelts on. I was encased in the airbags, my shoulders, my back, my neck bruised, aching. But I'm here because of that. Otherwise, my head would have gone through the windshield or something, you know, like you used to see in all these action movies that nobody wears their seatbelts. That's what you would see. Or the the blood on the asphalt uh, films that they forced us to watch and drive red. Exactly. Ohio State Patrol, blood on the asphalt. Yes, no blood. Maybe there was some internal stuff, but they did have me check out with, they checked me out with medics who came on the scene because such a serious accident in which the car is totaled. It was hit at the front, which was probably better because we had the engine and the radiator and everything else protecting me. Of course, the engine was gone, and that's one of the reasons why the car was totaled. But if you saw the picture of the car, you'd say, you couldn't rebuild this. And if you could, it would cost a lot... Gene, focusing, uh, drilling down a little bit on what you were just talking about with, um, you know, how technology um, obviously played an instrumental role in keeping you from getting more seriously injured or even possibly, you know, having a life-threatening injury, uh, God forbid. The interesting thing about this is that we're seeing seeing, um, uh, automotive technology move further and further in the direction of emphasizing uh, driver and occupant safety over anything else to the driving experience. And I'm thinking in particular of autonomous vehicles, 
Uh, I'm thinking in particular of uh, vehicles that won't operate unless the driver, you know, those locks that they put on 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 vehicles uh, for uh, drivers who have a history of uh, operating under the influence. You know where they have to blow into a a, a lock system uh, in order to to get the car to start. You know, breathalyze themselves. Uh, we seem to be moving further and further in this direction, and I wonder when it's going to get to the point where driving like actually operating the motor vehicle is out of our control altogether, where we're just the passenger. Siri, take me to Walmart. To listen to the, the car makers talk about it, autonomous vehicles are only a few years away. And obviously we've seen, you know, Tesla beta its autopilot feature for a while now. And you've got self-parking cars, you know, cars that can execute basic maneuvers that any driver should be competent at doing, yet millions of American drivers have no idea what they're doing. I'm talking, of course, about parallel parking. You know, the robots take care of parallel parking for you now. Well, if you can afford the car that does it. I know Volkswagen has something called driver assist that does that. But in the early days, when I first took driving lessons, and I went to a regular teacher, it wasn't my father teaching me how to drive. I went to a teacher because I had moved out of New York City and the only way to get around was to have a car. So I called somebody to instruct me. And of course, they had the two controls and everything, the two brakes to make sure I didn't get into any trouble. And they drilled into me the ability to parallel park. I'm not perfect at it because there's not that much of a need for it anymore the way the shopping malls are configured. But I can do it. I can get away with it. But on the other hand, if you think of how many of those expensive aluminum wheels have been curbed as a result of not quite doing the parallel parking routine accurately, maybe driver assist does work or park assist. Yeah, I mean, when I worked a retail job up until a, a couple of years ago, uh, Gene, you and I have talked about it um, when I've been on your show before. I used to sell computers. The mall that I worked at is an open-air mall, and uh, there's parallel parking out front. And I would watch people, even with high-end luxury cars that were equipped with backup cameras, struggle with the basic physics of parallel parking. And it's really, I mean, it's it's pretty easy. I'm, I'm not going to bore anybody by going into it here, but it's, you know, it's just basically lining your car up with the car in front of you and the car behind you and, you know, using some landmarks and pivoting yourself in, understanding some basic physics along the way. It's really not that difficult. It's something that a good driver ed program should be able to teach a 16-year-old something that they should be able to retain for the rest of their lives. But just like a lot of things that we learn as, as, as kids, unless we use that muscle memory over and over again, it, you know, it doesn't embed for us. And unfortunately, I think I, I, I can only speak to American roads because I live in the United States. I don't know how my experience compares to that of the average citizen of the UK, for example, or Germany or, you know, Russia or anywhere else. But here in the United States, it seems like we really uh, assume that driving is a right of ours that could only be taken away under very specific circumstances. You know, like we drink too much and we cause too many accidents or we kill people when we drive or, you know, some other reason why we can't drive. We're physically unable to, to actually operate the vehicle. But we often take for granted that we can drive. And it seems like we're moving in the, in the direction where someday, not too far in the future, and I don't want to sound too paranoid about it, where we're not going to be able to drive, where we're going to be able to purchase vehicles that operate either entirely autonomously from us, or maybe just a little bit autonomously. 
maybe mostly autonomously from us. Either way, for somebody who really loves to drive, I find it very unsettling. This is an interesting conundrum we have in the United States. If you live elsewhere, you wouldn't understand it. In this country, having a car is a right. Driving a car is a right. Having a gun is a right. Having health insurance, there's a question mark. That's not a right. Oh, that's a privilege for the wealthy. What are you talking about? Are you some kind of commie? I hardly wish to say anything about that. On the other (laughs) hand, you have to appreciate the fact that you're a young whippersnapper. And this is something you won't appreciate till you get a lot older. Now, I am still a pretty decent driver, I think. But I can see the time where five years from now, ten years from now, if I'm still here, I won't be able to drive. I'll have to call the Uber or Lyft guy or machine or what anything. Or I will get a car with some kind of self-driving capability. And I can see where that would be something important. To have. You know, I agree with you 100%, Gene, and at the risk of sounding tech utopian, as much as my you know, previous comments may have sounded a little paranoid about it, you know, I, I, like you, live in an area where there are a higher percentage than average of uh, retirees. Obviously, the elderly are used to um, the mobility that, that a vehicle grants them and are very reluctant to have that that mobility taken away from them. And in fact, it can be incredibly isolating because like in, in an area like this, we don't have a very well-established public transportation system. We do have door-to-door transportation, but it's not at your schedule. It's at theirs. And, you know, it's a, it's a public service, so it's shared and it's very inconvenient. Um but things are still far enough away that you have to drive to get to the store or to go see your friends for coffee or, um, you know, to to uh, go somewhere else to do something else. You inevitably. Inevitably, drive. we have to split for a commercial. We'll be back with Peter Cohen on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. 
Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Love or loathe him, Donald J. Trump is our 45th president. There is no denying now that Trump will go down in history, both despised and admired. Commemorate Trump's presidency with your very own Trump Silver Bust from TrumpSilverStatue.com. This museum-quality heirloom Trump Silver Statue Bust is hand-cast from 20 troy ounces of silver, a great investment. From TrumpSilverStatue.com. Loathed or loved, own a valuable piece of Trump's legacy. Get your solid silver Trump bust today at TrumpSilverStatue.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Peter Cohen, we're talking about based on my accident, the possibilities of self-driving, the need to get from here to there, especially living in a place where you don't have really good public transportation. I grew up in New York City, where there was a bus on every street corner, and a few blocks away, the subways. No problem. Here in Arizona, I've got to walk miles to the limited public and, transportation. And you can get eaten by coyotes along the way. Ooh, there are lots of kinds of coyotes. <clears throat> so where were we? Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's the, the future of autonomous vehicles for a lot of aging Americans, uh, Americans with limited uh, uh, physical mobility or Americans uh, with 
with a lack of desire to, to, to own a vehicle, but a need to have one every so often. These are all like great examples of, of where autonomous vehicles can fit into a car culture like the U.S. in a really interesting way. I'm going to be very interested to see how things evolve, but I think it's going to take a lot longer then it's right around the corner sort of flag waving that we're hearing from car makers, some car makers and and from uh, the tech press as well. I think we're we're still a long time away from being able to get there. So for now, anyway, it's still science fiction. What do you think about Apple's contribution? Obviously, the cat is out of the bag there because Apple had to go on the road with test vehicles. It's still pretty much the technology of self-driving or is there a hidden Apple car somewhere? You know, I, I'm going to paraphrase a comment of a well, a very well-respected colleague of ours, um, Renee Ritchie over at iMore, um, who has said in the past that, you know, because of Apple's size, because of Apple's scale, and because of Apple's interest in consumer technology, you can bet that if there's some kind of consumer tech that needs to be developed or that um, might be thought of as disruptive somewhere, in Cupertino, Apple is working on it. Doesn't matter if it's a computer thing, doesn't matter if it's a car thing, doesn't matter if it's something else. You know, Apple invests billions every year, billions of dollars in research and development. So uh, the fact that they've got a car program, uh, you know, shouldn't really surprise anybody. What it actually means in terms of, you know, what might be coming down the road in the future, that's anyone's guess. You can see how Apple and Android and Microsoft have all tried to fit themselves into um, automotive experiences so far. And up until now, it's been very casual and very distant. You know, it's been through the head unit, the stereo system, the navigation system, uh, that big display that's sitting on your dashboard. It's been basically through that. You know, if you've got AirPlay or if you've got, uh, I, I mean, if you've got CarPlay or if you've got one of the other services that that uh, supports the platform that you use, that's great. You know, it's, it's, it's a level of integration, but it's still two different worlds, you know, and it's it's a very cursory sort of integration. So it'll be cur- it'll be interesting to see how Apple evolves its own technology, and furthermore, what the actual uptake in the industry is. I don't see Apple making a car of its own. That would be weird. Now, have you ever tried Apple CarPlay in a car? Because I've tried several different vehicles, test driving and everything with CarPlay to see what it does, and it's awfully limited and kind of buggy sometimes. Because part of the problem is that you have to plug it in to the car's USB port. It's not yet, except for a very small number of vehicles, which are very expensive, like a BMW 5 Series. It's not something that is convenient. Now, I understand. So what you have, the situation you'll have here, for example, is, say, your iPhone is running on the battery. You want to charge it. So as soon as you plug in the cable it's going to want to connect to carplay whether you want to or not true enough um carplay isn't how i integrate on my older vehicle you know i actually just went bluetooth because that saves me the trouble i can still talk to siri i can still tell my uh my phone i need directions or you know i want to listen to specific music or send a message to somebody um but usually i just do it from my watch so for me carplay really hasn't been that that important a thing but i hear what you're saying and and yeah the 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 tethering thing is unfortunate it's unfortunate because as you know 
on luxury vehicles, on some luxury vehicles, that limitation is not the case. And the reason why that isn't is simply because they support a later uh, version of the implementation than um, than the other auto man- manufacturers do. So that's on the individual auto manufacturers to kind of get in lockstep with what Apple's doing. Um, and quite frankly, that shouldn't be much more than a firmware upgrade because these vehicles have Bluetooth in them anyway. You know, it's it's not like this stuff is magic. You know, all this stuff is spelled out. There are APIs that uh, that let them handle it. Um, it's just a, a question of how they they want to handle it. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see that uh, democratized to more vehicles as time goes on. You see, also um, the car makers don't want to deal with things like firmware updates and stuff. Well, the car makers see it as a uh, security threat. You know, they already recognize that um, uh, there have been incidents of uh, reprogramming vehicle firmware on the fly, um, you know, as vehicles are operating uh, over uh, Bluetooth, you know, in some cases, Bluetooth spoofing, in other cases, you know, cars with uh, uh, with with Wi-Fi connectivity, because that's becoming more of a factory option now. So there's a lot out there, you know, and, and it's 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 a security risk. But if you limited it to the car's data port has to be done by a dealer or authorized service technician with your permission or something. It's not something that's casually done. It's not something that you receive the update over Bluetooth. It's going to be plugged right. in at the dealership. And if the dealership is doing it, you're trusting them to make sure your car is safe to drive. You can certainly trust them to do a software update, can't you? Well, uh, that's not exactly true either, Gene, because uh, over-the-air updates happen all the time. Uh, with, well, I with, know with they do, but in a situation like this where there may be concerns of security, you don't have to allow it in every case. You don't have to allow it in, 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 a, in every case, but my point is the security problem already exists. That's already a real thing. It's also true that for $35, you can get a device that allows you to replace somebody's key fob and take over their car. You just have to be near enough while they're using it to capture the data. Nice. We had our friend Dr. Timothy Summers, the ethical hacker on the Tech Night Out Live a few weeks ago, and he was telling you how to do this. You can look it up. It's frightening because it probably means that most cars out there are hackable. The key is proximity, and you have to be close to the person. You have to target that vehicle. It's not just running around, I'm going to find a car to hack. You've got to really target the car that you really want to take over. And so it requires a serious commitment to do it. Before we're committed by GCN, we're going to commit to this and more to come with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. 
Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps. The ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. SolArc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social and Rest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Live. 
Drive with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. So there you go with auto technology, and we have to see what Apple does. We have to see how these other companies are doing. The other day, I was driving along Apache Boulevard in Mesa, Arizona, and there, right next to me, is an Uber self-driving vehicle tester. So even those who drive for Uber, and I've done a lot of things in my life, they're replacing you with the self-driving vehicles, the Johnny Cab. Yeah, and I mean, the the big disruption is going to be self-driving semis, which, you know, are already a proof of concept, you know, because once long-haul truckers can be automated, that's going to be some major disruption to the way that not 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 only to the way that that uh, that we use roads, but to the way that freight has moved in the United States. Let's move to some other topics here. okay? there's an article I read the other day, and I don't know if you saw the survey or not. I think it was over at Mac Rumors. And they're claiming here, according to one survey, that in the next six months, the surveyed group, 25% of them, their PC users, plan to switch from Windows to the Mac. Now, that sounds really great, except that doesn't pass a logic test, does it? Hmm. Well, you, you know, wish in one hand and crap in the other. See which fills up first. That too. But you get my point here. You have to consider something here, that if you look at the percentage of computers and sales. You know, in the United States, Apple gets, what, 12% or something. They gain 12% of sales. So therefore, if 100 million computers were sold, Apple would get 12 million, okay? Actually, in a quarter, it's like 12 or 13 million total PCs. You get the point. If 25% of the people who would buy those, say, 10 million computers, that would mean 2.5 million max sales in a quarter to new users for getting Apple's own sales, which is absurd. Where did they come up with nonsense like this? You know, at times like this, I'm reminded of what Evan Ezer said about statistics. He called it the science of producing unreliable facts from reliable figures. Surveys are meaningless. Let's get that out of the way right up front. Okay. Surveys are meaningless. I, I don't know how the information was was gathered. I don't know how the questions were arranged. I don't know how the the population of potential users was was looked at. So, honestly, I've 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 read the reports, but what I haven't been able to actually look at is the raw data upon which the the the, the content is based to actually be able to do any sort of reasonable analysis of it. And this is the inherent problem. Whenever you see any article saying, hey, a new survey shows that X percent of people have this opinion or X feel this way about this thing, it, it, it the information can always be cherry-picked. It can always be reframed to kind of focus an editorial slant that, that people want. Your point is excellent, Gene. Regardless of what their this particular population group's intent might be, the bottom line is, you know, Apple is still hovering around 10-12% of uh, the domestic uh, PC market, which is great. 
you know, it's 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 a healthy number. It's a huge percentage for one single company to have. And if you actually take a look at the segment that Apple occupies, it basically owns the pro luxury market. You know, for for these for these devices, it it is in the sweet spot in terms of uh, what people are spending to to get you know a nice pro machine. So that's great. You know, that's terrific for Apple. How does Apple double or triple or quadruple that market share is the more interesting question. And, you know, I, I don't have a smart answer for that. I think that people ultimately go with Windows computers because it's path of least resistance, because there are just so many more devices out there running that operating system. It makes it easier, you know, for them to justify buying Windows PCs. They can spend a lot less money. And they will perceive that they're getting the same value as they would for a Macintosh or better value than they would for a Macintosh. But when you actually do a direct comparison of the two devices, inevitably, the PC ends up coming up short. Either the software um, that's included is not as good, it's loaded up with adware and crapware that gets in your way, or it's not the same components that you would find in a Mac, doesn't have the same exact features, and just generally doesn't have the same integration with the sort of stuff that you're using that a Mac does. Having said that, I don't care if people buy Windows or buy uh, Macs at the end of the day. You buy the tool that you need. I'm not going to sit here as a screwdriver salesman, and I'm not a screwdriver salesman, but you know, telling you that, you could, that your screwdriver can replace every other tool in your cabinet, that would just be stupid. So for any Mac user to say, hey, you know, any Windows user buying a PC is an idiot because the Mac is so much better. You know, it's it's a fallacious idea. Uh, but I think that there's still a lot of room for growth in uh, the Mac market for Apple. Um, as long as Apple continues to demonstrate a clear integration between the two platforms and uh, delivering a consistent message to users saying, hey, this is how using a Mac can make your experience as an Apple user that much better. That's really how it's been growing the Mac market now for well over a decade, and that's how it should continue to do so. And also when it comes to comparisons or not, obviously Apple doesn't play in certain markets. But a point was raised during the WWDC when they introduced the prototype of the iMac Pro. $49.99. Ouch, so expensive. And Apple said, mm. well, you know, a mainstream workstation is going to cost about seven grand with similar components. And then people said, let's do build it yourself. Gosh, we can get the price within $200 of Apple, a little bit more, a little bit less. And this is interesting here where Apple is giving a mass-produced product that is competitively priced. And then the other argument, Apple charges too much for the memory upgrade, for the storage upgrade. And I went along with that because I can go to a third-party dealer where I can do the upgrade and get the components for less money. And then I went to Dell's site. And I said, you know what, let me customize a couple of Dell's and see what happens. And the prices for things like solid-state storage, larger drive, more memory, they're not dissimilar from Apple. So if Apple's overcharging you, so is Dell and HP. I think the prices with like a, a terabyte solid-state drive, I think Dell was $25 cheaper than Apple. So Apple, when they come up with these prices, they're not pulling it out of dark places. What they're doing is looking at the competitive nature of the market, the mainstream PC makers, not where you buy your own stuff at Mac Sales, which is a great place and you get good prices. This is going to the manufacturer 
and buying their upgrades or buying custom configured equipment, Apple is not overpriced. What do you think? I would agree with that. Apple also tends to use specialty uh, parts that aren't directly comparable to anybody else. But, you know, now when you buy a Mac, you know, if you buy a MacBook Pro, for example, and, and you want to do a configure to order option, that is a, a configuration that is, is customized from the different out-of-the-box ones that Apple offers. The, the thing is, you're having a machine custom built for you. The the parts like like solid state drive and uh, memory on Macintosh laptops tightly integrated on the motherboard soldered right in. You can't replace it yourself. You know, and this is this is a sea change from oh let's say five years ago. Uh, you know, if you bought a a pre MacBook Pro with Retina display, just you know a regular old MacBook Pro. You could pop the top off and put in a new hard disk driver and SSD when SSD started to come down in price. You could upgrade the memory from, you know, two or four to eight gigs or 16 gigs in some cases of, of RAM. No, wait a minute. Could you? I don't know. But anyway, eight. Yeah, for sure. And you could do this yourself. You could even replace the battery if you wanted to. All those components are incredibly tightly integrated into the, the Macs that you buy now. So Apple has been, with each successive revision of its devices, sort of removing that user um, upgradability, that that armchair mechanic um uh, mentality is becoming less and less. And when Apple's been questioned on it, they provide a very revealing answer. They say, look, a very small percentage of our users ever open the box or have a need to open the box. Most people are content with the stuff that they've got until they need to replace it. Let's go into more of that because I have an article to talk about with you. With Peter Cohen, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. 
Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Everything you've heard about or read about regarding identity theft is wrong. There are dozens and dozens of companies out there claiming that they can prevent identity theft or that monitoring your credit file will help you prevent identity theft. And I'm here to tell you, it's simply not true. It's a scam. No one can prevent identity theft, and I mean no one. Credit monitoring will not alert you to 80% of the fraudulent issues that can happen to you. Friends, there's only one company that has the solution to identity theft. That's my friends over at Liberty ID. Liberty ID fixes the damages caused by identity theft. In fact, they've successfully restored the identities of over 60,000 individuals without fail. Call my friends at Liberty ID today to see if you've been compromised. If you're on your cell phone, you probably have been. And my friends at Liberty ID will let you know if you have and what you can do to fix it. Call right now, 844-44-LIBERTY. That's 844-44-LIBERTY. Or visit them at LibertyID.com and use discount code GCN at checkout. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So Apple makes the point here that one big reason why they no longer provide the easy upgrades is because very few people ever bother. And that's probably true. I don't know what the figures are. I bet they're in the single digits. On the other hand, does it make the product more reliable and longer lasting to have everything built and soldered together and assembled at the factory that way? Well, Apple's point to this is that it would not be possible to do the designs that it does unless these manufacturing uh, guidelines were followed. Uh, you know, it simply couldn't deliver as thin a MacBook Pro that lasts for as long on the battery charge that it does. The thing the, I would the, argue, though, is that if Apple made it a few millimeters bigger and could offer easy upgrades of memory, is it really worth the difference? Well, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. 
That's that not Apple's too. design philosophy, so that's not going to happen. No, I understand that. Apple made a decision, a design decision, that most models are not going to be upgradable. Now, there's a story out, which is why I want to bring this up. I understand the point, and I understand that certain models allow you to upgrade. So, for example, the 27-inch iMac, five minutes, if that, to upgrade memory. Maybe five minutes. I think I did in three. Just set it down on something soft, and you open the cover. The 21-and-a-half-inch iMac, the 2017 edition, can be upgraded, but you got to go through this whole process of pulling the back off, which is really awkward, so it's not worth the expense or time. Obviously, the Mac Pro, and obviously, the next Mac Pro will be that way. I assume the iMac Pro will be like the regular iMac. You'll have a slot, you open up, and you replace your memory. I'm assuming I can be wrong about this. Everything else, it's soldered on there. Now, we know that Macs, especially most of the non-upgradable models, get low repairability scores from like iFixit. So there's a story here that Greenpeace partnered with iFixit to assess, says here, over 40 different devices that debuted between 2015-2017 to talk about the ability to upgrade or swap out parts. And they, I think, are calling this planned obsolescence scheme. I guess suggesting if you can't open the thing and easily change some parts, planned obsolescence, no, you can take it to the Apple dealer and get it fixed. You can buy Apple Care and have it guaranteed. Does it make sense to you? Is the claim here that this is part of a planned obsolescence scheme. That's what Greenpeace apparently is dealing with here. Well, They're, the first question I would, I would I would ask them as an editor is, uh, show me the smoking gun. You know, wh- where is the evidence that this is planned obsolescence? When you say something like that, you have to be able to prove intent. So prove intent. And no, they haven't done that. So it's it's an unfounded allegation. Um, and it's it's maybe a little paranoid, maybe a little ridiculous, maybe very self-serving, you know, to their agenda. But, you know, planned obsolescence is meaningless. I, what is the implication here, that there's some conspiracy to rob us consumers of our precious bodily fluids? This pops up, by the way, every time Apple releases a new iPhone, right? Apple releases a new iPhone. A tech journalist has a problem with their existing iPhone and attributes that to some malfeasance on Apple's part as as some attempt to force an upgrade. So there's a lot of planned obsolescence paranoia floating out there. And I'm really kind of offended to see iFixit and Greenpeace playing into it. The thing that bothers me here is if you look at the facts, Apple is not trying to make your computer obsolete in terms of operating systems. High Sierra 10.13 coming this fall works on the same Macs as Sierra, which includes all 2010 Macs and later and some 2009 Macs like the late 2009 27-inch iMac. So you have computers seven and eight years old that could be upgraded to the latest operating system with performance that Apple would consider as acceptable. Hang on for a second, Gene, because I have a very important distinction to make about to go directly to planned obsolescence. 
Now, do the 2009 and 2010 Macs operate High Sierra with the same feature set as a computer that was built in 2015 or 2016? No, absolutely not. And that's because the bar has moved. That's because the uh, the the hardware inside those computers is different than the computers that came before them. So you've got different Bluetooth chipsets, you've got different Wi-Fi chipsets, you've got different Intel chipsets on the motherboard, you've got different graphics chipsets, you've got different uh, uh, everything inside. So, uh, you know, it's it, somebody who has a 2009 or 2010 era computer that can run High Sierra is going to look at the feature set and well, say, well, you know, handoff doesn't actually work on my Mac. And some people are going to scream, oh, that's planned obsolescence, or AirPlay doesn't work right on, on my Mac, or some other feature doesn't work right on my Mac, but it still can run the same operating system. Well, hey, look, you know, that's not planned obsolescence. That's obsolescence. That's and the thing to bear in mind, too, you can't say Apple should not develop new features because the 2009 computer can't run them. It is. Apple is forward-looking. But the fact is here that if you upgrade to the latest operating system on the older machine, you won't lose what you have. You might gain a number of things. Maybe certain hardware features won't work, for better or worse, but you can still run the same apps. You can hey, still look, maybe, keep maybe, things going, maybe, maybe and your computer can last longer. No, I, I'm going to disagree with you, Gene. I'm going to say that maybe you will lose something. Maybe you ought to be very careful before you upgrade your machine willy-nilly every time Apple releases something. By all means, stay up to date with security updates, patches, and other upgrades for your existing operating system. I think that that is very vital and it, it is, in fact, a responsibility of, of any reasonably competent computer user. Um, so, you know, update your apps as, as app updates come out and, and apply patches to your operating system. But but upgrading your operating system is a different story, and not every operating system upgrade that can run on a piece of hardware necessarily should. Perfect example of this actually is OS 10. You know, OS 10 will run um, on, uh, or no, let's see, it wasn't it wasn't Sierra. I think it was LCAP could run on a two gigabyte uh, computer, or maybe it was even Yosemite. I forget. This goes back a little bit. But you shouldn't put it on a computer with a two gigabyte memory footprint because that was just too small and it slowed it way down when it actually came time to to try to do anything on the computer. So approach operating system upgrades like High Sierra with a certain amount of, of sober analysis before you do it. Make sure that your computer is going to be able to operate it well uh, before you do. Read reviews, read comments from other people, and get a better sense of how it's going to work with your specific configuration. Uh, before you jump, make sure to back up your computer before you upgrade, and make sure that you've got a system that you can restore to once you do upgrade if you do run into problems. This is a Especially true when you're running a public beta, which you should never, ever do on your only computer. If you've got a computer that you use to actually get work done, that is not the computer to run the public beta on. A public beta would be more acceptable to use on a secondary computer. So if you've got a spare computer, that's great. Or when the virtualization software that's out there, like Parallels Desktop, for example, gets updated for High Sierra. I don't know if it is yet, but once that happens, you could run it as a virtualized machine, too, which is kind of cool. I've got a second machine to run High Sierra Beta. It's a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro with an SSD, so it's pretty quick. And that's what I'm going to do. And part of it is because one thing that High Sierra is going to do I don't know whether it's switchable or not, is to change the file system. 
to APFS. And that's a good thing, and we've talked about it in the past, but that's not something that is a casual thing to do. And if you're playing with your computer and you want to go back to your old operating system, you're going to have to wipe your drive and start over from your backup. So, you know, think twice. If you have a second computer like I do, I don't use that MacBook Pro that much as long as it can handle email and Word and a few simple things. I don't care if it gets trashed along the way. I'm going to do that as a matter of fact. But you have to be cautious. The point that he's making, though, is if you're running the new operating system on older hardware, especially if it's resource-starved, not a lot of memory, not a lot of storage space, it may tend to run slower. That is a consideration. You may lose some performance. This is notable when you take one of the older iPhones and you run the newest iOS. And yeah, it works, but quite often it's not going to work as well and you may not be satisfied with the level of performance. The key being, though, it's available for you. And that's not always, you know, that's not planned obsolescence. That's just making it available. It's up to you whether you want to use it. But at least if you like it, it gives your product longer lifespan. We've got more to come with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at ShelterPod.com. The Shelter Pod at ShelterPod.com. Shelter when you need it most. If there's a toxic chemical biological gas smoke emergency while traveling at home or on your job, are you protected? Are you prepared? There are over 400,000 fires in the USA every year. Up to 85% of all deaths on a fire are due to smoke inhalation. Three minutes without air and we as humans will die. Be prepared and escape safely with our Safe Escape Smoke Hoods, giving you up to 60 minutes of breathable air protection. Order yours online at ase-safety.com. That's ase-safety.com. And get up to 40% off plus free shipping. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
The long and short of it is, though, I think, Peter, and you'll agree with me, this Greenpeace article is nonsense. Apple is not engaged in a secret plot to make your older gear stop working because the fact that you can see here with the 2009 iMac or my 2010 MacBook Pro, and the thing is still in good condition, it still runs, it's never had a problem, a lot of people can use this older hardware for years, whether or not the operating system works on it or not, whether or not you can upgrade. That's not planned obsolescence. That's designing a quality consumer product that eventually will have to be replaced. That Apple decides to solder the memory and the logic board may make it more difficult for you to do certain things, but it won't make it impossible to repair if you need repairs. And the other question, again, as I go back to this, If you don't have the RAM slots, the user-changeable RAM slots, if you have everything as part of the logic board, does it make it more reliable? Yes, it does. You see, that's it. We solved the problem. I think the article is nonsense. Yeah, that's the bottom line. It absolutely does make it more reliable. And this is Apple, by the way. Apple started out with the very first Mac. Okay? Remember the original Mac? You couldn't upgrade anything. I mean, a lot of times, PCs, especially in those days, there's lots more do-it-yourself. Everything was do-it-yourself. Apple sells this closed box, for better or worse. And there are a lot of things you could criticize about the first Mac that were fixed later. But this is the Apple spirit. It's an appliance. You buy a new TV set, you open up the back to upgrade. It wasn't until the SE that, that uh, Apple offered a user-serviceable classic Mac configuration uh, that, that had, you know, components on the inside that you could really mess with. I mean, the Mac Plus, you know, had upgradable RAM, too. And people did upgrade the original Macs after a fashion, but it was an actual motherboard replacement where, you know, you would have somebody remove the existing chips from the motherboard and solder in new ones. It was, uh, you know, it was meatball surgery um, on computers back in the day. And then the the Mac 2 came out, and that was a more conventional format. Uh, You know, a large box that had a lot of user-accessible expansion cards, what Apple called Nubus back in the day, and and also uh, RAM expansion. Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, what a long, strange trip it's been in terms of going not expandable, then expandable, and then back to not expandable but here we are um and yeah i I completely agree with what you're saying gene there's a big difference between just just plain old obsolescence and planned obsolescence i don't think guilty apple is guilty of of the latter at all no but i think greenpeace makes big headlines there oh apple designs equipment that's going to go obsolete well tell me how many seven-year-old windows pcs you have and how well they're working Greenpeace was Apple's foe until uh, it wasn't, and now, you know, I guess it's it, the, the worm has turned again. Apple did everything that Greenpeace wanted it to do. Apple became much more transparent about its uh, its manufacturing uh, pipeline. It uh, opened up about its own internal processes for reviewing uh, environmental impact and its own plans to, you know, counterbalance uh, its own environmental impact with renewable energy and so on. And Apple has received plaudits from uh, Greenpeace uh, many times over the years for those efforts, for its green efforts. Uh, so why somebody at Greenpeace decided Apple should uh, be on its bad list again, I think, is just a sign of how capricious and, and headline-seeking uh, an organization like Greenpeace can be. And once again, when you buy a Mac, understand you're buying 
a computing appliance. That's Apple's way of doing things. They'll have a small number of models that you can upgrade yourself. The rest, just buy it and don't worry about it. The do-it-yourself PC doesn't work on the Mac. If you want that, you make a Hackintosh. Did you ever try building a Hackintosh, Peter? Sure, yeah. What's your assessment? Because we did interviews with Rob Griffiths and Kirk McElhern about theirs. Is this something that you have done recently or what? God, no. Because I actually am more interested in using my computer than I am in futzing with it. Okay, I think that solves the problem. I guess if you're a hobbyist and you have a little money to burn, you want to have fun, I guess you could do it. Then again, babysitting fundamental features of Mac OS to make them work. Is that fun? No, absolutely not. It is, I guess, you know, for people who like puzzles and for people who are into computer problems, it's great. Um, and, you know, Apple certainly made it easier uh, to build a Hackintosh um, ever since uh, it switched over to an Intel chipset and, you know, sort of aligned itself with uh, with Intel hardware. You know, that's made it all things considered, relatively easy to build a Hackintosh over the years, and there's a, a thriving community of, of Hackintosh users. For the, the uninitiated, a Hackintosh is a PC-compatible computer, like a straight-off-the-shelf PC-compatible computer or one that you've cobbled together using parts uh, configured to run OS X, which can be done uh, with some modifications to firmware and, uh, and, and some rewriting of, of, uh, uh, of, of low-level system stuff in order to get it to work. And there's a, you know, a thriving hobbyist community out there, but they are an infinitesimal percentage of of uh, OS 10 users, the vast, vast majority of OS 10 users uh, are not like Kirk and are not like Rob. There are people who just operate normal Macs, normal Macs, just like what Kirk and Rob normally use, by the way. You know, this self-contained system, to some degree, it's even gone to cars. They're very much self-contained with complicated computer systems. And all the mods that people used to do, you can still do them. There are ways to do them, but not as easy and not as often now because the manufacturers to meet emissions requirements and safety requirements, they have to close off a lot of that. But then again... I understand understand why people like the idea of the Hackintosh so much, you know, um, especially in the pro uh, Mac market. Um, There are a lot of folks who are feeling more and more disenfranchised from Apple uh, with each successive Mac hardware release because they don't see the features going in the direction that they want. They are looking for specific processor, graphics card, memory, storage configurations that Apple's not offering or that Apple only offers if you go to a configure-to-order option, which can, as you noted, Gene, increase the the price of your Mac dramatically. Um and, you know, so for, for them, I think the Hackintosh will probably continue to be an important thing. The, the, the thing that, that makes me interested, Gene, and I think we've talked about it on past programs, is what's going to happen once Apple pushes Intel out the door and replaces the guts of the Macintosh with its own silicon. That's the big question mark when it comes to not just the Hackintosh market, but also the virtualization market like Parallels Desktop or VMware Fusion or, uh, you know, the other software that lets you run Windows uh, uh, apps on your Mac. But does Apple do that? I mean, right now they say they're not. They are 
putting in their ARM processors to use on Macs, obviously the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. It's got the Intel CPU. It's got the ARM system on a chip that Apple built. So it's also got, I guess, a version of iOS or the Watch OS that's operating your Touch Bar. So Apple is playing that game, and I guess the intent is to take over low-level functions on Apple's own silicon and let the load be removed from Intel so it works more efficiently. But I don't think Apple is going to make that move yet. Do you, really? I think that it's an inevitability. But um, again, we're talking uh, you know, off in the future, just like when we were talking about autonomous cars before. Um, I think it's an inevitability, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a uh, this year problem or a next year problem for sure. And bear in mind also, Apple has to be frightening Intel a little bit because did you look at the performance specs and benchmarks for the new iPad Pros? They exceed yeah. the MacBook. They come close, kiss and cousins close, not completely, but close to the performance of the MacBook Pro, a so-called professional notebook computer. Got to think about that. iPad Pro. Hmm. More to come with Peter Cohen. One more segment. Later on, we'll hear from Jeff Gamet. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Stop. Put 
put that mobile phone down because it may have been compromised. Are you aware that many identity theft issues start right on your mobile device? My friends at LibertyID.com have helped over 60,000 individuals without failure get their identities back because of them being compromised. Don't be next. Call 844-44-LIBERTY. That's 844-44-LIBERTY or visit LibertyID.com to find out if, in fact, you've been compromised and use discount code GCN. This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, and rats. If you've made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix. Because Terminix has the know-how and the means to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminix has 90 years of experience eliminating home invaders. And they make it easy for homeowners to be protected by offering a free pest estimate by calling 1-800-686-1063. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, rats, and other pests. This is your last chance with one call Terminex will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminex will never stop working to keep you out with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Pests. Wherever you are, I will find you. Pests, you've been warned. Homeowners are calling Terminex right now for a free pest estimate. 1-800-686-1063. 1-800-686-1063. 30-day money-back guarantee at participating locations. Limitations apply. See plan for details. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com. Virtual care anywhere. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So Apple's... Chip developments. It's got to be fascinating here. The first A-series processor came on an iPhone in, what, 2010. So Apple's doing this for seven years and is already producing chips that are faster than most PC notebooks. Yeah, I mean, Apple didn't uh, start this out of whole cloth either. You know, that there was an existing ARM architecture that it's been iterating and working with, and it, it acquired it's acquired companies um, uh, along the way to, to to help with this. But yeah, you know, the company has iterated its A processors uh, so many times now. Recent reports put the A10X. Uh, into production now as well. T, uh, one of Apple's um, big suppliers is uh, now making um, the, the the latest uh, the latest chip. So, I am a little reluctant or wary of benchmarking the iPad Pro against the MacBook Pro because it's not a direct comparison. You know, it's not an apples to apples comparison. Ha ha ha! Pardon the pun. Simply because the iPad Pro is such a different user experience than the Mac is. Now, if I wanted to illustrate or use a, you know, a pencil tablet type of interface for whatever I was doing, or just a tablet interface for whatever I was doing, the iPad Pro is the top of the line. You know, blows everything else away right now, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, I say that with the bias of being a lifetime Apple user. But 
Can it replace what I do with a MacBook Pro? No way. No way. Uh-uh. That's why I still use MacBook Pro. On the other hand, with iOS 11, it's made it possible or will make it possible to take on more Mac-style functions on iPad because the enhanced multitasking, the Files app, which is, I guess, kind of an iOS version of Finder, that kind of thing, that even though it will not replace a Mac, a lot of things you'll be able to do on it will make it suitable for maybe on the road. You don't need to do all the things on your Mac. Maybe you could do some of them or half of them or whatever on the road with an iPad Pro. So there is that. It's gaining more and more capabilities. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we've been seeing that line get blurred. The philosophy that Apple has is that it just wants to let you do your work and get out of your way. You know, so why create friction where it doesn't have to exist? You know, you should be trying to reduce the amount of friction that the user has in any kind of experience with your device. All I'm interested in doing is working. I shouldn't, it shouldn't matter what device I'm on or how I'm doing it, as long as it works seamlessly. And certainly Apple, it looks like they're trying to make a much larger investment into the possibilities of the iPad, which I think is a good thing because I, there has been the feeling that the iPad kind of languished there for a while. Sales were down, had unrealized potential. I could see, for example, with the right kind of software, which is a big deal, I can see where I could record radio shows on it. I can't now because there's no way to replace the functions of Audio Hijack on iPad. But I could see if Apple allows that kind of inter-app communication, record a radio show and edit it on iPad Pro. Why not? Yeah. You know, that that's absolutely uh, doable. You know, for, for me, it's just a matter of muscle memory. I can't work with the iPad the same way that I can work with a Mac. So I continue to stick with it. I'm feeling more and more like a dinosaur these days, I have to say. But I'm very delighted to see Apple continuing to make those changes and continuing to, like I said, erase that that friction wherever it exists because it just makes it make sense to, to try to make it as seamless an experience for users as possible. Uh, less nonsense of actually uh, trying to figure out how to use your device. More time spent actually doing what you need to get done. Okay. And the thing is here that you're getting this blurring of the lines with the operating systems where Mac OS takes on iOS functions and obviously with iOS 11 and multitasking, Apple took things like a dock and brought it to the iPad from the Mac. So is there a convergence computer that just sort of does it all? Apple continues to say no, and they'll continue to say no right up until they do. Well, you see, you can't believe when Apple says no. And the reason you can't believe that is because Apple may say no and be working on it right now. No means right now, no. I mean, when was Steve Jobs denigrating mobile phones while the iPhone was being developed? When did Apple say, when asked about a cheap Mac, we're not going to do that a few months before the Mac Mini came out? Yep. So again, Apple will say, no, we're not going to do it until they do. And then when they do, they'll say, we're doing it because we have a much better solution. It's like, we're not going to make a small tablet because you're going to need to sandpaper your fingers. So their solution was to make a somewhat larger screen with a standard aspect ratio rather than a widescreen to give you much more effective screen real estate, especially 
horizontally. And therefore, the iPad mini became a more flexible computer. In other words, what was there, they said, this is no good. So here's our better idea. Exactly so. Exactly so. So uh, this is probably a, a pattern that we'll continue to see Apple uh, Apple uh, engage in. Whether or not there's a convergence computer in the future, I consider it very unlikely. You know, but I, I say that again as as a died in the wool Mac user. So uh, I I can't see beyond the end of my nose when it comes to that. It's a question of knowing what is Apple going to do, how are they going to do it, and how does that impact our experience? And right now we're sitting here in 2017. And I imagine if I'm still around and somebody listens to this show five years from now, because it will still be online, they're going to say all oh, those people, that Steinberg character and that Peter Cohen character, they had no idea what Apple was going to do or some other company. Of course we don't. Of course not. You know, we're just having a fun and hopefully we'll see the final answer. There you go with that. With any luck. With any luck. Do you expect to buy a iMac Pro or a Mac Pro? Assuming you had the spare cash. That's a lot of spare cash. You know, I would really have to look at my needs. I recently retired my cheese grater Mac Pro, as it were, an aluminum model that went back all the way to 2010. Um, so I got six years out of that device, and uh, that was a good long run. I think that if the next Mac Pro echoed back to that device in terms of its, its expandability and usability, I very well might invest in one, for sure. The iMac Pro, no. Um, I love the 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 iMac. I uh, think the screen, you know, the, the 5K screens that they put in the, the iMacs now are just amazing. Yeah, you know, if, if the Mac Pro is uh, echoes back to my 2010 machine that I got six years out of, definitely, I would definitely like to have one of those again. The iMac, yeah, you know, not so much, but it's not my cup of tea. You know, the 27-inch screen is gorgeous, but way too big for what I need. Peter Cohen, where can we find more of your stuff? You can find me on Twitter at F-L-A-R-G-H and also on my own website at peter-cohen.com. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure. Coming up next on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll feature the Mac Observer's Jeff Gamut, and a wide range of topics will be discussed. We'll even do a little bit of pop culture. How about that? That's coming up on the Tech Night Out Live. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So we're joined by Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer with lots of things to talk about, maybe a little bit of trivia and a little bit of pop culture. But I was mentioning to him... Of course, we have this other radio show called The Powercast, The Power Normal Show. And we get into a little bit of technology and pop culture there because we interviewed Mark O'Connell, who wrote a book called The Close Encounters Man. And that relates to close encounters of the third kind because that phrase was invented by the late Dr. J. Allen Hynek, an astronomer who was very much into UFOs. And a lot of the ideas 
in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind came from his books and, as a matter of fact, the UFO organization he headed, Center for UFO Studies, was mentioned in the posters for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So that's the connection. Technology and all that. Of course, Douglas Trumbull did the special effects if you want to look him up. But Dr. Heineck's son, Joel Heineck, became an Oscar-winning special effects artist who did What Dreams May Come. He won the Oscar for that. was nominated for Predator. He did two Predator films. And he also did Erasa, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You are Mm -hmm. erased. Did special effects for that. And Die Hard with a Vengeance. How do I remember this stuff? It's because you're cool like that. So that's, of course, the paranormal and technology. Kind of, sort of, vaguely, maybe coming together. Oh, wow. I, I think that's really cool. And knowing that someone whose father was deep into that whole, at the time, it seemed to me, very progressive take on alien life. Now, their son is winning awards for artificially creating those very environments. That's really cool. Yeah. So he's now probably, you know, around my age. Still a wee pup. Still a wee pup, yeah. Well, after the accident last week, for a second there, maybe I wouldn't have been a wee pup or any pup. But but you're doing okay? Uh, yeah, you know, it's bruises and everything. Not physical bruises, yeah. just aches and pains and a little whiplash and everything. But this is about yeah. technology, too. Because with that, with technology... We had airbags, and they were not Takata airbags, so they worked. And I was immersed (laughs) in the airbag. I was immersed in the airbag. In fact, I'm going to be sending him a copy of the picture of the car with the airbags deployed, just this section, the driver's side. And that's going to be uploaded. Isn't it amazing how how those airbags work? You're sitting there uh, in your car, and then suddenly there's this, this. airbag that's just right there and then it's over it's just an instant but be grateful for it because any injury i would have suffered and they weren't severe any injury was really mitigated by seat belts seat belts Mm -hmm. folks and the airbags and do you see the picture i sent you yes that's that's amazing Okay. And I'm glad you're wearing a seatbelt. One of the problems I've seen with, a, with uh, a lot of accidents is that the airbags deploy, yet the driver or the, or the front seat passenger isn't wearing a seatbelt. And then the airbag acts sort of like a, like a ramp. So you hit the airbag and then slide up over the airbag and go right into the windshield. It looks good so, in a movie, uh, but doesn't work very well in real life. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you were wearing your seatbelt. I'm glad that the airbags deployed. It really sucks about your car, but I'm so glad that uh, that you had a car with the technology to to keep you alive, so we could sit here and do a show today. Otherwise, we'd have to do it from the afterlife. Then this would be a real paranormal radio show. But you see, there's a multiverse theory that we go in and out of different universes. So there may be a universe where I'm no longer there. There may be a universe where I'm rich and famous. There may be a universe where I'm modestly famous but poor. Depends on which universe we live in, but that's a technology we do not want to get into. 
But I was mentioning in our segment with Peter Cohen about self-driving technology. Mm-hmm. And where that's kind of go, of course, we know Apple, the cat's kind of out of the bag. They're working on something. Now, because they can't get around it, they had to get approval from the California authorities to do test vehicles. So they're mm-hmm. doing something here. But the thing I wonder about here is all the major car companies are doing self-driving. Where does mm-hmm. Apple fit in? It's not like CarPlay or Android Auto, where you plug in your iPhone or your Samsung or something and bring some of that interface to your car's infotainment system. We're talking about self-driving technology that has to be intimately connected with every element of your car. Mm-hmm. So where does Apple enter the picture if these companies want to do it themselves? I have a, a hypothesis. And uh, and this is actually a hypothesis that uh, that has been uh, guided in some point or in some degree by Adam Christensen from the MacCast. And it's that the angle Apple is taking is more like car sharing. So they'll they'll work with another company that maybe they'll develop buy a company. They'll do something where there is this fleet of autonomous cars. And so when you need a ride, you pull out your iPhone and you uh, you call a car and it shows up and it takes you where you want to go and you get out and your iPhone processes the the transaction payment and that way you have a more accessible car sharing service. So this would be something where Apple would license it to those who are offering car sharing like a Uber or a Lyft or or they would have their own car sharing service. Uh, maybe, maybe they pick a specific partner uh, like uh, chi- in China. You know, they've, they've invested uh, heavily in Dito. And so maybe Dito will be the company in China that that transitions from the, the ride sharing service that they are today into a, a full on automated car sharing service instead. And then in the United States, Apple could partner with another company and do the same thing and just create a, a, a car sharing service. So it would compete directly with Lyft and Uber. Okay, so there wouldn't be an Apple car and they wouldn't deal with major automakers? Probably not. I mean, Apple could make their own car if they felt that was the best and most effective way to to get the system working. But I could see them partnering with another car maker to produce these vehicles. And then the fleet of cars is managed by maybe a, maybe a, a, a child company, or maybe it's just another division in Apple that's doing this. So it wouldn't be so much that you were buying cars, you're just buying time in cars. So, for example, if I need a car, say in the morning to go to work and in the evening, I just get the car for the time I need it or run a couple right. of errands. Right. And, and you know, if it's, if it's like a routine schedule, like you need to leave for work uh, at the same time and uh, and you always get a, out of work at the same time, you just set up a schedule in the in Apple's car sharing app and the vehicle shows up right when it's supposed to. 
The only issue here, of course, is the fact the car is not customized to the way you like it. Maybe you'll have a choice. And if you're off schedule. So what do you do, say, if you tend to, do you specialize on a specific car or whatever's available? It's like having a one-hour rental, kind of, sort of. Yeah, it, yeah, it'd be sort of like a one-hour rental. And maybe you'd have a choice between a sedan or an SUV. Like if you need to go pick up a bunch of stuff and you need that extra space that's in an SUV. Okay, so you could request that. Okay, let's go into more of this. Because it changes the paradigm of car ownership very much. Mm -hmm. Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Love or loathe him, Donald J. Trump is our 45th president. There is no denying now that Trump will go down in history, both despised and admired. Commemorate Trump's presidency with your very own Trump Silver Bust from TrumpSilverStatue.com. This museum-quality heirloom Trump Silver Statue Bust is hand-cast from 20 troy ounces of silver, a great investment. From TrumpSilverStatue.com. Loathed or loved, own a valuable piece of Trump's legacy. Get your solid silver Trump Bust today at TrumpSilverStatue.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. 
One nutritional secret is that due to soil infertility, plants are not making the percentage of mineral sugars that they did before the advent of chemical agriculture. These mineral sugars are measured in the juice of a plant. The more sugar, the more minerals, proteins, fatty acids, vitamins, and phytochemicals. According to some experts, these mineral sugars are what activate the DNA of our body to be efficient at making protein. Due to an absence of enough of these mineral sugars in our plant foods today, our bodies require 40% more protein. One World Whey is a technologically enhanced whey protein protein food that can supplement the protein needs of your diet. It is easy to assimilate and it tastes delicious. However, its most attractive feature is that people from ages 3 to 80 are having phenomenal improvements in health. People are reporting vast improvements in energy and well-being that last for four hours or more from a single serving. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So nowadays we're used to buying a car, new or used. That's your car. Mm -hmm. And not ride sharing, but car sharing is basically realizing that you're not using your car all the time. So why do you need a car all the time? Just need the car mm-hmm. when you actually have to drive it. By the same token, it's just like renting a car. It's the same thing. You have a car there that you're paying for, but most of the time, unless you're making a lot of long trips, it's unused. Exactly. Yeah. My, my car sits parked at least 90% of the time. But you're paying for it 100% of the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And also, I wonder if younger people are as married to their vehicles as they used to be. I mean, now with a car, you know, you buy the color you want, the interior color you want, and the options and the brand, and you customize it to your personality, to your needs, or to your family's needs. But this makes a car an appliance that you only use when you need it and you're kind of separated from that or they may be a greater number of potential options but in a situation like this would you actually have access to the same vehicle all the time or whatever vehicle that's there that meets your basic needs it would just be whatever vehicles available that meet your needs and then that way the cars instead of sitting idle and just taking up space most of the time would be in use most of the time because you get out of the car at your destination and it drives itself off and it goes to the next pickup, picks that person up or those people up, takes them where they need to go. They get out and then it goes off to the next thing and it doesn't stop until it needs to go back to a charging station, juice itself up again, and then out it goes for more runs. Now, the thing I have to ask about this is Mm -hmm. since you're not getting full-time use of the car, 
Is it therefore much cheaper? I mean, right now, for example, if I want to take Uber to take me from here to there, it's very easy if you make a few trips to spend more than would cost you to simply have a car. Very easy. I'm assuming this is something that Apple would take into account. And so if you're someone that just rarely needs a car, then you just pay per trip. But if you're someone that is going to be calling a car all the time, then you get uh, a monthly subscription where it's unlimited car time for a flat fee. And because you're not getting full time with the car, it'd be cheaper because otherwise you might as well Mm -hmm. buy a car. There's a point where you say, okay, it's going to cost me $400 a month to buy a car. The insurance is going to cost me 200 because insurance could be expensive. Say it costs mm-hmm. 600 for the car, and then you have gas and all the other stuff, so maybe it's $700 for the car. Mm-hmm. And that way you buy a car, it's yours. Do what you want. But if you could say, you know what, for $300 a month, I'll have a car when I need it. I don't have to put up with the insurance and all this other stuff and the maintenance. I'll have that right. car when I need it. That makes sense suddenly. Yeah, that's a substantial financial savings. And as long as the cars can get to you in a reasonable amount of time, then you have a very convenient, less expensive system for getting around the way you want. And I totally get that public transportation may suit a lot of people, but there are many times where that bus or train just isn't going to be the right thing for whatever it is that you need to do, especially if you need to go door to door somewhere as opposed to hitting bus stops or or train stops and then walking somewhere. Now, I got to see the advantage of Uber firsthand, not as a driver because I've done that, but as a passenger in the past week where I needed to get to the supermarket. Mm -hmm. And you have the Uber app, And usually within five to seven minutes, you've got a driver. That's Mm -hmm. it. Five to seven minutes. How do you pay for it? Well, of course, it comes out of your credit card or debit card or PayPal. Even Mm -hmm. that's already entered in the app. So you're charged for it behind the scenes. But that's how you set your trips up. And unless you're in some kind of outlying area, if there's any populace at all, it's going to be that five to seven minutes. So by the time you have a chance to call for the trip, like you're finishing at the supermarket, I'm at the checkout counter. I'll be done in three minutes. Let me book the car. By the time I walk to the door, two minutes later, the car is there. Now, if that car was one that I could then get in and drive home, well, that's the true car sharing. Exactly. Yeah. The way I see it, this is a service that Apple or their partner would have to set up where you tap the button to request a car and put in your location that you're headed to, and within 10 minutes, you're getting in the vehicle. Can't be any more than 10 minutes. And I like the five to seven minutes experience that that you've had. That's what they need to be shooting for. It needs to be fast. Five minutes, no more than 10 minutes for a car to show up. You climb in, and the car just drives itself where you need to go. You get out, and the next person has their car five to 10 minutes later, and off they go too. And if you need to keep the car for the hour... Well, that's part of your monthly thing. You have the unlimited access, but they know you're not going to use that car more than maybe 10% of its use time. So if Mm -hmm. you're paying $300 a month, they're getting $3,000 a month. Right. Yeah. And and if you're doing something where you thought, okay, I need to have the car for uh, two hours. All right. Then you're probably doing a bunch of short errands back to back. 
And so in that case, yeah, hold, then the system lets you hold on to the cars. You can keep loading up your stuff uh, into one vehicle. But, you know, if you're going to go shopping and then 45 minutes later you need a car, okay, well, now you have a different car each time and it doesn't matter because it's the transportation system that's taking care of you. It's not that, that you want to have your own specific car. So suddenly you've divorced the car experience. As I said, I think younger people are more into that. Older people tend to want that car, that possessiveness. This is my car. I have full control no matter what. I think these days people are more practical. It's a means of transportation, and Mm -hmm. that could be another way of improving or changing the auto industry to the point where you no longer have to worry about pride of ownership. You only worry about getting from here to there in safety. Exactly. It's not like when you fly on an airplane or get on a train or a bus, you're picking the vehicle that you want, and then that's just yours. It's whatever train or bus happens or plane happens to be the one that's going where you need to go when you need to go there, and you get on and you're done. It can be the same with cars. Well, do you think people will embrace it? I think that's a big argument. Will people embrace it? Again, I think one of the issues facing the auto industry today is that younger people are not as tied into their cars as others are. You know, I think a lot of that's going to depend on where you are. I think some communities are more open to car sharing services than others. Uh, uh, I'm in Boulder. And car sharing is a big thing here. There there are car sharing drop points just all around where I am. And I, I can walk to a to one of these drop points no more than 10 minutes. And that's great if I want to do a car share thing and if there's a car there when when I want to be there. And that's been the big problem I've seen for a lot of people. The the cars, there's not enough cars available in the area for the car sharing. So you can't get one exactly when you need it. You might be able to get it within like a hour window or two hour window. Uh, but something where, where the cars can get to you reliably and they actually come to you uh, in where I live, I think that people would eat that up. They would love to have a car pull up, they get in and it just takes them where they need to go. And they don't have to worry about, is the driver safe? Because it's the computer. They don't have to worry about anything. They just get in and they go. And as you get older, you appreciate that because you reach a point where maybe your skills are somewhat diminished. Let's leave the subject of car sharing, ride sharing, Apple car Whatever. We've got other things to talk about, a lot of other things. Now, I want to mention this to you, and maybe you can give me your reaction. Mm-hmm. There's an article, obviously not on your site, or maybe you ran the story too, about Greenpeace working with iFixit to assess the repairability of a number of consumer products, including Macs. Mm-hmm. I guess the theory has it here, and I talked about this with Peter in the previous segment. The theory has it that... There's some planned obsolescence going on here because Apple makes most of their computers appliances, closed boxes. They're not meant to be altered. You don't have the ability to change RAM. You don't have the ability to swap out a hard drive. This is most Macs now, like the original Mac in 1984, a throwback to that. Mm -hmm. But why would that be 
planned obsolescence, I open the question. We'll have an answer in our next segment with Jeff Gamut. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Lifetime Graze 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the Greenpeace story about planned obsolescence and Apple because so many of their products cannot be repaired by the end user. Everything is soldered on and all that stuff. Planned obsolescence, man? In many cases, to me, planned obsolescence is a term that is used to describe something that that a person or an organization is unhappy with in some way. Uh, In this case, I think it, it applies to Greenpeace thinking that every device needs to be user upgradable, otherwise it's just not uh, environmentally friendly. So they they use the term planned obsolescence. Okay, pretty much everything has has a point where it's going to be obsolete as far as technology goes. And it's just a matter of how soon that's going to happen. Now, in the case of, say, a Mac laptop, that tends to run a lot longer than a comparable PC laptop. And in many cases, those PC laptops do have some upgradable components. So... 
does that mean that the Mac is worse because it doesn't have upgradable components? And, and my feeling is no, because what Apple's doing is designing a system where you have a computer that's going to last for a long time. I mean, I know people that are still using Apple laptops that are more than 10 years old and they're working just fine. And you, you don't see that in the PC world. Now, the other thing is that with Apple having these closed systems like they do, they can have complete control over the components. So Apple is creating a computer line where they have been able to strip out so much of what was in there before that was toxic. They're making computers that are built out of components that are more easily recycled. And they are doing a lot more in a positive way for, for the environment with the products they're making today than they used to. And planned obsolescence, I don't think, plays into this at all. This, this is all about Apple making a product that's as environmentally friendly as it can possibly be. And, that, and this is just part of how the system works. Uh, honestly, I think that the thing that Greenpeace is doing with, uh, with rating all the products for upgradability and whether or not that's environmentally friendly is more about generating publicity for Greenpeace than for getting products that are more environmentally friendly. Well, in terms of longevity, my 2009 27-inch iMac is still in use. We'll be able to run High Sierra. My 2010 MacBook Pro... 17 inch will very shortly, probably by this weekend as we speak, become a guinea pig to run the High Sierra public beta. Mm -hmm. Because it's not something I need regularly. And if worse comes to worse, I just wipe it clean and start over. Yeah. Right. I'm using a six year old MacBook Air to run High Sierra developer beta. Okay. Six year old computer running a modern operating system and it's working just fine. I'm not seeing the planned obsolescence in this. Understand here, some things will not work on the older computer. A 2009, 2010 computer can't do handoff, can't do continuity, can't do metal graphics. Most everything else they do pretty well. The other thing is if your computer doesn't have a lot of free storage and maybe is starved for memory, you won't get the performance you want. Right, but it still works. Yeah, it's a trade-off, and you have to decide whether to accept that trade-off, but that's not Apple deliberately making your computer obsolete. It is every year they're adding new features, and some of those features require hardware. You don't stop developing better hardware features, better features that only work on modern hardware because somebody out there has something from 2010. You can't move forward that way. It's kind of the problem, with I think, with Android, where... You have all these smartphones with new features, and then most of the smartphones out there aren't even running the newest operating systems. Yep, there you go. I mean, I'm looking at at a computer that, well, not at the moment, but so I have a computer running Mac OS High Sierra that I cannot do any internal upgrades on. The SSD is stuck in there. The memory is soldered to to the motherboard. I can't do anything to that. But... I don't care because it still functions. It still does exactly what it needs to do. I haven't had to throw it out. So 
to me, that seems pretty environmentally friendly. When, when I have a computer that doesn't have uh, a, a lot of the toxic off-gassing things and mercury and, and I can continue to use it after, after what, seven years? Okay, that's pretty good. And by the way, I was doing a little research on eBay. I have this 2010 MacBook Pro 17-inch. It's got the solid-state drive, a memory upgrade. If I suddenly hit the jackpot and I'm ready to buy a 15-inch MacBook Pro with touch bar, Mm -hmm. I'll still get a fairly decent hundreds and hundreds of dollars for that old MacBook Pro because it's in good shape. And it that still means someone can else be sold. It's not it. something I have to throw away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as that seems like like a a pretty nice recycling system when you can take a computer that served you well for years, sell it to someone else, and now it serves them well for years. It's still not in a landfill. It's still working. It's still productive. But Apple's guilty of planned obsolescence. Apple charges too much. <sighs> Yeah, th- this is an ongoing problem I have with, with Greenpeace. It's, it feels to me like so many of the campaigns that they run are not about, about uh, improving products. They're about increasing the visibility of Greenpeace. And, and I get why they need to, to increase visibility. They, they, they do some really good things. They also do some things where I just I don't agree with, with uh, their process. And remember, part of this also is if you're visible, you get coverage, you get donations. Yes. Yeah, that, that's a big thing right there. They, they need the coverage so that they generate revenue so the company can continue, the organization can continue to do the things that they've set out to do, which ultimately is improve our environment. Okay, but at the cost here. You know, where Apple was accused or charged with things that other companies were doing, but it was Apple. Apple, Apple, Apple. First Apple. Well, sure. Apple's the visible company. Apple, Apple is the company that everyone knows right now. So if you're going to call out a company for something, then you, you want to go for Apple in a case like this. Because their visibility increases your visibility. I mean, look, we're talking about Greenpeace right now on a technology show. You see, they got the coverage. They got the coverage. Right. This is what they wanted. They don't care about anything else. Well, they do. But sometimes they're stretching the limits. And whether or not you think it's appropriate, you have to consider. The reality is that Apple makes pretty reliable products. Where there are defects, they tend to have extended repair programs. You know, anytime there's something where the graphics card keeps freezing or something like that, Suddenly you read, well, for the next three years, Apple will fix it. They'll replace it. They'll do whatever's necessary. Mm-hmm. And that costs money. But that's saying to the customer, if something really bad happens that is not part of normal wear and tear, we'll do something about it. Right. And, and then Apple's also doing this whole thing where, like with the, the robot Liam that disassembles iPhones. Apple has a long-term plan where they're going to recycle as much as they possibly can from every device they make so that they can then make new devices. So making a product upgradable 
in my mind, does not necessarily make it environmentally friendly. Designing a product from the very beginning, taking into account its end of life, that's environmentally friendly. Before we discuss end of life decisions for your computers and your smartphones, we've got more to come. And we'll be talking a little bit about what we might get in this rumored iPhone 8. Number 8 with Jeff Gamut and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Warning. If you've recently declared bankruptcy, you're going to want to cover your ears. Because there's an alternative to bankruptcy, and it could be better than you'd ever think possible. But if you've already declared bankruptcy and have missed this opportunity, you'll want to cover your ears now. Here it is. Right now, the company that has resolved more credit card debt than anyone in the U.S. may be able to settle your debt, too. You can resolve your debt with one low monthly program payment. If you call right now and qualify, Freedom Debt Relief will show you how low your monthly program payment could be for free. Call now, 1-800-660-1297. That's 1-800-660-1297. If you're struggling with debt, this could be your answer. And the bigger your debt, the more money you could save. To find out for free how much of your hard-earned money Freedom Debt Relief could help you save, call now, 1-800-660-1297. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health-sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Hi, this is Ron Paul, former congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I love these summer months because this is when I get to enjoy the fresh fruits and vegetables that are being harvested on small farms and in our backyards. We all look forward to garden tomatoes and corn on the cob. Don't you wish there was a better way to preserve their true tastes and flavors? I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. It's by using the amazing home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. I have a Harvest Right freeze dryer and use it to preserve the foods I love. Strawberries, apples, and even lasagna and ice cream can stay fresh for 25 years. And the best part of my freeze drying is my family and I have a supply of long-lasting food on hand. So no matter what may come, we feel better prepared. We love our freeze dryer. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-923-9591. 
That's HarvestRight.com or 800-923-9591. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit FDA.gov slash OTC pain info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Why do I keep doing my really horrible Arnold Schwarzenegger imitation? Because I mentioned before, Joel Hynek, he did the film Eraser, and also, of course, Predator. Mm-hmm. He did the special effects. All right iPhone 8, all the rumors are out there. Sometimes they're self-contradictory, which you expect. Of course. So we assume there'll be an iPhone 8, but it won't be called an iPhone 10. Explain that to me. Why not call it an iPhone 10 if we're dealing here with a product that is the 10th anniversary edition? Or am I missing the things? Uh, calling it iPhone 10 because of the 10th anniversary totally makes sense. Uh, on the other hand, Keeping in the numbering scheme that that Apple already has also makes sense. As an example, take a look at the numbering scheme that Microsoft has used for Windows. You've gone from Windows 95 to Windows 98 to Windows 98 ME, Windows XP, Windows 7, Windows Vista. You can't keep up with it. Yeah, it's like what's at the end of the of the of the product name Windows is essentially an arbitrary thing. So Apple has had a pretty consistent naming scheme for the iPhone product line. So sticking with that makes sense. Now, what they could do if they want to give this special iPhone a unique name without screwing up the numbering system, instead of going with iPhone 10, maybe you call it iPhone anniversary or iPhone special edition. Uh, well, but then we also have the iPhone SE. So uh, maybe special edition is not the right word. Uh, iPhone pro, you can come up with a lot of other things to put after the word iPhone that would set this apart without screwing up the the numbering system that they already have in place for their phones. iPhone X or iPhone 10. Yeah, and, and if you do iPhone X, then it's also iPhone 10, which means that we've skipped over 8 and 9. And then right, but it also becomes up? a special edition to honor a 10th anniversary product, which doesn't preclude an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 9 in the regular product line, or does that become the regular product next year? Right. And then what happens in a couple years when we catch up with 10, and now we've already had iPhone 10, and now we have iPhone 10 again? Well, I know that these marketing people and product people that Apple has. They must have the, the craziest conversations about what to call something. But, you if know, the, I don't care if they call it the iPhone, who cares? That's a good name. The iPhone, who cares? 
Yeah, the iPhone whatevs. That'll be the follow-up model. That's right. And the second iPhone will be who's on first? The iPhone who's on first. I don't know who's on second. That's going to be a wonderful product line. I can imagine the ads right now. Okay, what do we know about the iPhone, whatever we're calling it? The iPhone third base? Is that what we're up to now? Uh, what we know about it is, and, and of course, keep in mind when I say what we know about it, is what we know through rumors. So this isn't anything that Apple has confirmed at all. So with, with that in mind, what we know is that this iPhone is going to be slightly larger than the iPhone 7, but with the screen size that's in line with what we have on the iPhone Plus series, so the iPhone 7 Plus. And Apple's going to be able to do that by stretching the display so it covers nearly the entire surface of, of the iPhone, which means the home button goes away, the physical home button goes away. That becomes a virtual button, and there will be touch ID sensors embedded in the glass, so you'll still be able to to do the home button thing, the, use your thumb to, to make credit card transactions happen through Apple Pay, all of that stuff. But you just won't have a a literal button like we do today. And then you'll have dual cameras on the back so that you can do the same depth sort of thing with photos that we see on the iPhone 7 Plus today. But I think that will also be part of Apple's augmented reality game plan where you'll be able to to get depth into what you're you're looking at when you're doing augmented reality apps. So objects can appear where they ought to be and not just overlaid, like we have with Pokemon Go today. Front-facing cameras with 3D sensors so that you can build uh, essentially models of your face, which can be used as avatars, can be used for for real-time animation, in communication apps, and also in games. OLED display. That'll be a nice improvement on a display that already looks great. And then also possibly wireless charging support, which means that uh, it would work in a, in a way that's similar to the Apple Watch, where you take your phone and you set it on a charging device and it doesn't need to have any wires plugged into your phone. You just set it on the thing and it charges that way. So that, that's kind of a, a quick overview of features we're expecting. Now, wireless charging doesn't mean contactless charging. It still has to touch something. Correct. Yeah, and contactless charging, I don't see that happening in a big way for quite a while because it is so inefficient and you need to be very close to the to the source. Otherwise, you have to bump that transmission out to or high enough to a level that people start getting concerned about uh, am i going to get cooked with radio waves and regardless of whether or not you are that it's it's a concern that people have so with the inefficiencies and concerns that that are there today with contactless charging i don't see that happening i think it will be wireless charging so you have a charging base or plate the phone sits on that and uh, and and it charges that way just like your Apple Watch does today. Okay. All right. Now, they're saying it'll cost at least $1,000 or more. When you think about that being expensive, remember what a fully decked out iPhone 7 Plus or a Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus is with all the memory. It ain't cheap. No, it's not cheap. And, and if you're making a premium device... 
you end up paying a premium price to get it. And it sounds like that's where Apple is going with this. The iPhone 8, the iPhone Special Edition, the OLED display, iLED. Uh, wow. Okay, so now we know they're not going to use OLED in the name because you can't get through the word iPhone without screwing it up. Whatever they call it, this is a premium device, more so than, than the current iPhone line is. And I consider the iPhone a premium device already. Well, you know, everybody's saying, oh my God, there's going to be a $1,000 iPhone. Yep, and people will buy it. People have complained about $700 iPhones. People, people have complained about every price point Apple has had, pretty much. Remember, the basic iPhone is, what, $649? I'm not talking right. about the iPhone SE at 399 Basic iPhone 7, 649 So going over $1,000 with a well-decked-out version, not a big stretch. The other thing I want to talk about here, and we'll have to switch <laughs> to our next segment before we do, is that this iPhone, they had a debate whether Apple can stick a fingerprint sensor in the front. And I think that's made-up stuff, fake news because of the problem with the Samsung Galaxy S8. More to come on the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. family walk. Uh, just let me nap a little longer. You promised we'd get more active. I know, I know. How come you're so ready to go? It's Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where'd you get them? I ordered them from Superberries.com slash radio and right now we can get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. I can't wait to try them. I'll get the dog. I'll get the kids. <laughs> Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Hi, this is Ron Paul, former congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I love these summer months because this is when I get to enjoy the fresh fruits and vegetables that are being harvested on small farms and in our backyards. We all look forward to garden tomatoes and corn on the cob. Don't you wish there was a better way to preserve their true tastes and flavors? I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. It's by using the amazing home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. I have a Harvest Right freeze dryer and use it to preserve the foods I love. Strawberries, apples, and even lasagna and ice cream can stay fresh for 25 years. And the best part of my freeze drying is my family and I have a supply of long-lasting food on hand. So no matter what may come, we feel better prepared. We love our freeze dryer. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-923-9591. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-923-9591. 
Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. A fast reminder, if you want to find the best way to support this radio show, The Tech Night Isle Live, we want you to sign up for Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technighthowl.com, plus.technighthowl.com, where you will get information on signing up to Tech Night Owl Plus. We will offer you a commercial-free version of this show, Better Audio, for subscription rates that start at just $1.49 a week. Back to Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer, and we're talking here about the rumors and speculation about an iPhone 8, a special 10th anniversary edition with the OLED display edge-to-edge, the wireless charging, all that stuff. So we assume Touch ID is going to be in the front like it is now, Mm -hmm. even though Samsung couldn't do that. Well, just because Samsung can't do it doesn't mean Apple can't. Uh, Samsung, I think, showed the absolutely wrongest way to do fingerprint scanner on the back because they they put it in a really bad place uh putting it on the front uh, i i know there's people that think having it on the back would will be more convenient but overall i think people are going to be happier with it on the front they're already familiar with that they're comfortable using it that way or at least they're comfortable having it there because it's familiar and this is the sort of thing that Apple has probably been working on for a long time, and we just 
recently saw, is it Qualcomm that showed off sensors embedded in the glass? I'm sorry, I can't remember for sure which company it was, but in the last couple of weeks, one of the major companies, manufacturing companies showed their technology for embedding sensors in the glass. So we're seeing this out in the in the wild, at least as a demonstration. Odds are Apple has been working on this for a really long time. And I could see where Apple, with a focus that they have on a feature like this, could get to market before anyone else and have something that is really nailed down and rock solid. At least it better be rock solid if, if it's uh, the only way we have to do fingerprints. Now, remember here also... Something that isn't reported even in the Consumer Reports review of the Samsung Galaxy S8. The only thing they mention is that it's awkward to reach the fingerprint mm-hmm. sensor in the rear. It could smudge the screen. They don't mention that it's got an iris sensor for your eyes. It's easy to crack. You just need a photo that and a contact easy. lens. Easy to crack. They don't mention it's got a facial recognition that can be cracked with a photograph. So you've got three biometric sensors. Two are useless. One can be used, but is awkward to reach. Right. And there is still a lot of concern from many Samsung users that the fingerprint that's being stored with that sensor is not being stored in a secure way. So I, I don't know if the Galaxy S8 is storing this fin- that fingerprint data securely or not, but the fact that people are, are concerned about it, that's an issue. And we're talking here about Apple has a secure enclave where mm-hmm. it's a chip-level support for the fingerprint sensor. I don't know what Samsung's going to do. I don't know what Samsung is doing. I don't know how easy it is to crack that fingerprint sensor. I bet if it was, people would mention it. At least... The water resistance works, unlike last year's Galaxy S7 Active that failed the Consumer Reports test. What I do not understand is we have this flawed device. Only one out of three biometric sensors is even possibly secure. And Consumer Reports rates at several points above the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. All right. So with Consumer Reports... I think that they are very good at some of the things that they rate and in other places, maybe not so much. And I think that Consumer Reports, as far as as electronic devices like smartphones go, and to, uh, to a degree, laptops and tablets as well, they need to, to work on improving and refining their reviewing process. And I think that because they haven't been able to really nail this down in the in the way that they have, say, for like like dishwashers and washing machines and cars, that we get these these ratings where people look at them and aren't exactly sure why something was rated the way the way it was. As they get better at this. That will probably change. And, and I'm not saying that as an excuse for, for the iPhone being rated lower than the Samsung phone. Just from what I have seen over the past several years, there's still some work that Consumer Reports can do to improve their, their phone testing and rating process. I think part of it is they are lost in specs to some degree. Sure. And, 
it's easy to get lost in specs because when you're talking about electronic devices specifically, a lot of what you have to go on are the specs that are written on paper. And, you know, and maybe for a dishwasher, those specs can be far more uh, uh, valuable. And, uh, and, and then when you couple that with the testing that they can do, where, where you have something really tangible to look at, like you take a, a, a dirty plate and put it in a dishwasher, you run it and see how it looks afterwards. All right, that that's really tangible. You can't exactly do that with a, with a smartphone. I mean, you can do things like see if water got inside, but but it's it's a different thing, and you need a very different testing system to fairly and accurately rate these devices. I think Consumer Reports has a few things to learn. Not that they're stupid or anything, but I, they have a certain mindset that they approach with all of their products, even cars. And I've driven different cars in the same category. And a lot of things they say just don't seem to add up. Yeah. And it's, they're, they're in a tough place because they're trying to, to give fair and unbiased ratings of all these products, but you have to have people involved in the process. And those people have to come up with the systems that are being used. So there's all these little flaws that can be introduced simply because we're humans. And I think that that shows up in many of the reviews. And I mean, there have been times where I've read Consumer Reports reviews where, say, a MacBook was rated higher than, uh, than an Asus computer or Asus laptop. And... You know, of course, because I'm writing about Apple products all the time, I'm like, hey, there you go. The MacBook got a better rating. But as I'm looking at at what they're saying, part, parts of the review, I would look at and think, I don't think they actually got this right. Or or I would disagree with something that they had, that they had written about, say, the MacBook. I'll tell you so, what, the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar gets almost 20 hours battery life. What? Yeah, there you go. Uh, I have a Touch Bar MacBook Pro. I've never gotten twenty hours battery life off of this thing, but I I get uh, l- very stable, reliable eight hours off this thing all the time, and I feel very comfortable going and working for an afternoon at a coffee shop or the library or you know just someplace where I'm not going to take my power supply, and I'm never worried about running out of out of juice before I'm done with whatever project I'm working on. I've never had a Mac laptop before that, or before this one, where I felt that way. Yeah, but they're using a specific test method that does not realistically in any way reflect how real people use it. Even when you criticize what Apple does after 10 hours, there is a prescribed test involving websites and other things that at least is similar to what users would do and you could look at that and say okay if i try that i should be able to duplicate their results i may use mine differently and so i'm not going to get that kind of battery life but at least it makes vague sense we've got more sense from jeff gamut of the mac observer i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at ShelterPod.com. The Shelter Pod at ShelterPod.com. Shelter when you need it most. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Water is the single most important thing your body needs. So you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, 
get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Final segment with Jeff Gammon of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we were talking here about Consumer Reports and the flaws in its reviews. And I think it's about a lot of products. And I think they've got everything kind of removed from reality where they set up these test procedures that engineers may say, hey, this is a good idea. But real people don't do that. I mean, I understand if a car overturns at normal speed, that's dangerous and you want to report it. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But sometimes it doesn't make sense. All right. Here's one thing I think Consumer Reports could do with these these power management battery tests that that they do on our smartphones, our tablets, on on our computers. What they could do is run two sets of tests. They could have their extreme test where they do all the stuff they're doing now. And then people could just look at those numbers and do with them as they please. But then they could do the real world test where they see how, how these computers perform doing the tasks that people actually do in the way that they actually do them. And then you get an idea of what the batteries are really capable of. Like telling me I have a 20-hour battery life on my computer is just crazy because I don't have a 20-hour battery life on my computer. But I've got a strong eight hours, no problem. Sometimes it goes up to 10, but I can get eight hours off this thing pretty consistently. That's To me, that's a real-world test there. But you should automate the tasks based on what they do. Bring a panel of people in there, have them do different things, and then say, hey, well, they're spending, you know, this amount of time doing this, this amount of time doing that. Let's automate that somehow. Let's find a way that we could repeat that in a way that reflects what they do. Yeah. And and you can automate a series of real-world tests to see what you get off of the computer. Now, the Uh, thing, of course, is one thing you can't do is use Apple Script only because you'd have to have a Windows equivalent because you're rating the Mac and Windows on the same criteria. So if one gets 10 hours battery life, the other, all things being equal under the same circumstances with the same capability, should also produce 10 hours battery life, if you get my point. They've got to make it cross-platform consistent. But what Consumer Reports does, by the way, is they download sites 10 sites i think from a server they turn off caching in the browser which is completely nuts because nobody uses it that way they dim the screen so it's darker than you'd normally see under normal use and circumstance that's why for example your macbook pro gets twice as much battery life as normal people experience that's not a a useful test that's not useful data at all i suppose if you wanted to tell people, hey, here's some tips where you can squeeze more time off your laptop if you know you're not going to be able to recharge for a long time. Okay, great. Now, now you've put together a handy tip article, but that's not useful for rating a product for real-world use. Let me ask you a final question here for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. 10th anniversary iPhone. 
How has it changed Jeff Gamet's life? All right. So before the iPhone, I carried around, not just out and about, but like all the time. When I left my place, I had a power book with me. I had my Motorola Razor phone. I had an iPod. I had my Palm PDA, whichever model that was at the time. Typically, I'd have a small digital camera with me. I was tethered not just to the devices, but to where I went and how much time I could spend away from internet connections because there were messages that that needed to come in. There was email that I had to check. So much of what I did was really tied to being able to get to internet connections and having all these devices with me. After the iPhone, I could leave my laptop behind a lot. I didn't need to carry the camera with me eventually. If I didn't want an iPod, I didn't have to have that. I got rid of my Palm PDA and I could work on anything, you know, as far as like business administrative things from nearly anywhere. As long as I had a Wi-Fi or cellular connection, I was golden. So it freed me up in a big way. It made my technology more human and approachable for me than anything I had had before. So it took an entire desk and stuck it in my pocket and let me work anywhere. It it was wonderful. In my yeah. case, here's what I did. I used to bring my MacBook Pro to the bedroom to keep tabs of email and stick it on the chest and mm-hmm. let it sit there if I'm not using it until the battery went down, which would do in a few hours. And that's the way I kept in touch. Then Apple gave me an iPhone on two-week loan. And I set Mm -hmm. up everything with my email address. I took it with me, stuck it on the night table, and kept tabs of my email. After a day or two, didn't need my notebook computer. I had the iPhone. There were things where I had to go back to my regular computer to do, running certain apps or a long email. But 98% of the time... Everything I needed from a computer could be done on the iPhone. And that was a revelation. Before then, I didn't carry as many things as Jeff did. I didn't have the PDA. I had the Motorola Razor phone when I traveled. I had my MacBook Pro anywhere I went. I am still going to need the MacBook Pro if I travel and have to do location work or staying overnight. Yeah, if I'm going someplace where I know I have to make shows happen, then my MacBook Pro goes with me. If not, then depending on what else I need to do, maybe it's an iPad and my iPhone or just my iPhone. Do we have time for me to share uh, another iPhone story with you real quick? One minute. Okay. Uh, When the iPhone 4 came out, that's when my iPhone world was totally rocked because... That that's the first one that had the FaceTime camera. I was in the Apple store, one of the Apple stores on launch day. I saw three deaf people trying it out and they were signing with FaceTime to each other. And it was so powerful for them because it gave them the same communication everyone else had. And seeing them smile and cry with joy, that's what the iPhone's about right there. And remember, a lot of these features can be done on Android phones, but not as well, not as consistently, not as safely. And Apple did all that stuff first. It's not like, oh, this feature they have, or maybe this feature works a little better. It's the total experience of the iPhone. And it's changed a lot of our lives as a result, which is why so many hundreds of millions of people have bought them. It's not a flash in the pan as much as some of the critics might want to say. 
Jeff Gamut, please tell our listeners where they can find more about the things you do. Each and every one of them can find me over at MacObserver.com, where I'm writing with a bunch of other amazingly talented people about everything that's happening in the Apple world. And you can find me on a ton of other podcasts like uh, Mac Observer's Daily Observations and also on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jay Gamut. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on Twitter. You just have to look for Tech Night Owl. It's the three words, Tech Night Owl, all together one word. You can also find me on Facebook. Look for Gene Steinberg, the guy in a red plaid shirt that I still have. I'm a tad older now, but we don't want to talk about that. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And as I mentioned earlier on, we interviewed Mark O'Connell, author of The Close Encounters Man, about the late Dr. J. Allen Hynek, someone I knew slightly, and he was instrumental in convincing lots of people that UFOs had a reality. Of course, he was an advisor to close encounters of the third kind. You see him towards the end of the movie where the mothership lands and everybody's running away and he's walking towards the ship. The bearded man. Remember that scene? Dr. J. Allen Hynek. He only got $3,500, by the way, for working on that film. Can you believe it? He got to be in it. Yeah, that's it. Check theparacast.com, theparacast.com. Speaking of money, the best way to support the Tech Night Out Live is to sign up for Tech Night Out Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot technightout.com. That's plus dot technightout.com, where you can get a commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio for prices starting at just $1.49 a week. I mean, such a deal. Plus dot technightout.com. Jeff Gamet, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me on. I have so much fun every time you invite me back. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.